Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. So today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the COVID vaccine and the fact that they are now thinking veterinarians may be giving you your shots. They're pretty good at that. So (laughs) something that could actually work out pretty well. Um, They're trying to organize as many people as possible in some states in a couple of states, it's already happening. Um, also, will your pet need to be vaccinated for COVID? Right now, this is an interesting topic. I actually got shut down on Facebook. I had to, sh- they had to shut down all the comments because of me the other day on one of the groups. <laughs> but um, this article is actually from the New York Post. So, you know, you don't get to talk about New York Post articles on this show very often. But um, this article, you know, just kind of talks about, <clears throat> it's all speculation, okay? Maybe someday, maybe a possibility that maybe your pet could need a COVID vaccination. So, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I'm not doing that. This is stupid. I'm not giving my dog any more shots. This is dumb. You know, that kind of thing. So um, this article was dated January 25th of 2021. And researchers at the University of East Anglia and the Earlham Institute, both in the UK, and the University of Minnesota warned about the significant long-term risk to public health from such transmission in an editorial for uh, Virulence magazine. It's not unthinkable that vaccination of some domesticated animals might be necessary to curb the spread of the infection, the experts wrote in a peer-reviewed medical journal, the UK's Independent reported. While there are no known cases in which a human contracted COVID from a furry family member um, a Dutch researcher says, they, is a professor of evolutionary gen- genetics, um, said he would prepare for any eventuality. Okay, so first of all, there are some hallmark things uh, that to me say this is speculation. Um, you know, prepare for any eventuality is pretty big. Um, continued evolution of the virus in animals, meaning right now, probably not an issue. Correct. No, it could take a long time for mutations to occur. So it's you're right. It is speculation, and uh, the question is, you know, I guess the ethical question would be uh, to vaccinate for a potential problem, or do we vaccinate because um, it's going to be a problem? And so there has to be a lot more research, I think, before we can introduce something that may have an effect on the pets you know, as far as side effects and vaccination and things like that, I think uh, really needs more investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So last year, Denmark was forced to call millions of mink after hundreds of coronavirus cases in the country were linked to the farmed critters um, because they were hosts, uh, continued virus evolution in reservoir animal hosts, followed by spillback events into susceptible human hosts, poses significant long-term risk to public health. Right. This is a public health issue, and it could be really serious. And the last thing we want to do is, I mean, if you could prevent something, I don't know. 
Well, in the virus can mutate. So what kind of strain are we going to use? And, you know, uh, how do we vaccinate every year? Is the strain going to change? You know, that's, that's pretty hard to predict. And in an outbreak like this, especially like with mink and stuff like that, that you can isolate the virus and get the strain and be more specific. But, uh, but speculating for dogs and cats, you know, how do you know what strain to use? How do you know that strain is going to be effective anyway? So, um, and it's hard because viruses mutate. They're, they can figure things out. They're, they're built to survive just like anything else. And so, um, I, like I said, more investigation probably needs to be done to determine, well, what's the best plan? I know. It's really scary. And I mean, I get that people don't really want to, you know, add something like that into the mix. I mean, people just don't want more vaccinations, at least in the realm of um, animal care. I don't know. I mean, don't want them for their kids either. At least most people don't. Right. <laughs> right. There's, there's definitely going to be some debate on that for sure. Yeah. So I don't know how that one's going to go. Um, and it could be, I haven't heard anybody starting to find a solution to COVID in animals in case they can give it to their owners. But I know nobody will want to have to put their animal down because they carry COVID. No, no, for sure. And, and there's been no evidence that, uh, at least for our domestic population, it, and we there was some debate before, even before COVID, you know, can my pet get the flu from me and vice versa. And they can definitely get, be exposed to viruses and bacteria that we are, but we can also be exposed to their virus and bacteria as well. It's just that a lot of times it's more species specific. If there's not receptors for it, then that, then that's probably not going to cause the disease. Um, the problem with some of these, uh, I guess, new viruses is that even for ourselves, our body wasn't really prepared for the type of reaction it was going to have. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. a lot of times, you know, each year that we go through the flu season, our body's kind of prepped for it. It's kind of, mm -hmm. you know, we get normal. You know something's coming. <laughs> right. You know something's coming. And this thing was a, a double whammy for sure. Yeah, it definitely was. Okay. So um, at this point, again, speculation, nothing's in stone. I don't think, you know, we haven't heard of anybody working on a vaccine nothing really to dig up there at this point in time, but eventually you might have to do it. I mean, you just don't know. So sort of like the, the dog flu, I think eventually something will come out, but uh, uh, you know, talk to your veterinarians. I mean, it, there's going to be some debate, obviously uh, whether the owners are going to want to do that, whether veterinarians think it's necessary. We always do lifestyle assessment to determine what's the risk. You know, if your pet really stays home most of the time, relatively lower risk. So, Okay. You know, that'll be a debate for sure. Okay, so the Connecticut Department of Health issued an order authorizing veterinarians, podiatrists, dentists, dental hygienists, emergency medical technicians, and paramedics who receive proper training to administer the COVID-19 vaccine should the need arise. Same in Colorado and Nevada. And they're thinking about doing this in Ohio as well. So you might be getting a COVID shot if you're electing to get one from somebody very different than what you thought you would be getting. So... Not just necessarily, um, <clears throat> excuse me, not necessarily uh, just, uh, you know, uh, a nurse like you would normally think or somebody who works in a hospital and maybe working in a veterinary hospital, but great uh, thing to mobilize everyone to help because there are so many vaccines to get. Right. List is long and they haven't barely scratched the surface yet. I mean, 
it's good to have all those doses on the ground, but yeah, you know, I mean, if that's what you so choose, I mean, some people are, you know, not into that, but it is what it is. All right. it, we gave a lot of vaccines, so why not human? <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it, I, true, totally true. So um, our page, our group on Facebook is Holistic Fed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. This group is one that, you know, we kind of put together asking people, you know, hey, you have a question about holistic medicine, just get in touch with us and we'll try to help you. So that's what we're doing. We have a lot of different questions today. Um, Allison uh, asked a question on the Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson group. Does anyone have any suggestions for a cat whose kidneys are failing? Any diet or supplement recommendations would be greatly appreciated. What are some of the reasons cat's kidneys fail and why does it seem to happen a lot? Well, it's, it seems to be a common problem when the cats reach over 13 years of age. And um, because the cats are, one theory is that because cats eat a higher protein diet over time, the kidneys get worked. And by the time they reach that age, their kidneys have you know, filtered quite a bit as far as contaminants and as far as uh, you know, getting your, rid of urea and contaminants in the body. Okay. So it's, the other uh, ideas behind it could be, you know, environmental factors as well. Uh, but far and away, the uh, dietary and also um, in terms of, uh, of age, you know, those are the two big factors. I think that hyperthyroidism probably plays a little factor as well. Oh, yeah. Because of, of blood pressure changes. So with cats, it's not... It's not hypothyroidism, so it's not the low thyroid where you're sluggish right. and lethargic. It's the other way. Yeah, it's hyperthyroid. So too Why much. does that do that in cats, just curiously? Well, uh, over time, the, uh, the, the type of stimulation to the thyroid uh, becomes overactive. And okay. so the thyroids actually get bigger. And in dogs, uh, they don't necessarily get smaller, but they underproduce. Okay. And in cats, the thyroids actually get bigger and overproduce thyroid. <laughs> we have so, one like this. <laughs> yeah. He's also experienced some urinary tract difficulties. Right. Secondary urinary tract issues because um, the you know, kidneys regulate blood pressure. And they regulate that by really water volume <coughs> in the bloodstream. So okay. uh, if you're getting increased uh, blood pressure from thyroid cats, hyperthyroidism, uh, it's going to put some strain on the kidney. And and you'll see that in, in, in both ways. You know, sometimes the thyroid's getting close to being high and then their BUN is starting to increase. But the way we track it is we're tracking urea, we're tracking creatinine to make sure that the kidney's getting proper blood flow, but also getting rid of the urea. Hmm. Interesting. So what, I mean, at that point, it just seems like holistic medicine may or may not be able to help. What would you say? Yes or no? Well, it, you... It does help because you're you're working on the pattern. Most of the time, these kitties have, uh, because of their age, have a deficiency. Um, you mean like an energetic deficiency? It could be chi deficiency, which is energy deficiency, or mm -hmm. it could be yin deficiency, in which their body doesn't uh, isn't able to cool itself down. A lot of hyperthyroid cats have yin deficiency, uh, but also over time, as that yin wears out, they become yang deficient too. So there's there's a number of different categories. You really have to address the pattern of the kitty in question. So it's really individual medicine. The therapies, more Western medicine, is more broad spectrum. So a product like enalapril, for example, uh, can help control blood pressure. It also helps to control 
of blood flow to the kidney. Um, and so that's one method of therapy. The other is obviously diet. There's a lot of prescription diets for owners that uh, are reluctant to make their food or to pay a lot of attention to the diet. Yeah. Um, the advantage of it is already prepared food. It's designed for it. At the same time, it it's not holistic mm -hmm. if you look at the ingredients, but at the same time, uh, it's designed to help the kidney the cat's kidneys. One of the things I find interesting about that is like one of our cats got into some food one time that was different. It was like KD, which is like a Hills um, kidney diet for mm -hmm. cats. And the cat had no issues and then got into the Hills and it was the KD and it was, it just went crazy. Like mm -hmm. there was things after things after things happening uh, with the cat. So just kind of an interesting, you know, interesting how that works. Mm -hmm. It really, the food, like you look at it and you think it's just cat food, but it isn't. It's actually a very powerful medicine. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it's a great place. If you can feed it, then, you know, you're not <clears throat> worried about pilling, dosing. Cats are notoriously hard to do that mm -hmm. stuff with. So, and they're picky. So that can be another issue. Yeah. A lot of times in case management, you want to get it under control first and in using the prescription diets is like using medication. Uh, you want to get the emergency under control, which is get the kitty not producing so much urea, uh, getting the urea out through different methods, like, uh, for example, using Azadil to bind the urea and Allopril to help the kidney work a little bit better. And then the uh, prescription nutrition uh, just to control how much urea is actually coming into the system through mm -hmm. protein breakdown. So, um, and, and at the same time, using your Eastern medicine or holistic medicine, uh, to help with the pattern so you reduce their dependency over time on the medicine or you at least keep them stable enough to live a great quality of life and be functional for many years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can you help this cat at all from where you're standing or do you have to actually see this cat in person and make some decisions like based on your own um, diagnosis? Is there anything you could suggest for her? Well, you know, seeing the kitty is number one um, to be able to do a full diagnosis on it and everything like that. Looking at the previous labs that were done to get the levels, because there's really three stages of kidney disease. Um, anything between 50 and and roughly 70 is sometimes what they call early renal insufficiency. Kitty's okay. still functioning, but they got higher numbers. Um, in the middle usually between 70 and 100, uh, you're starting to see some side effects from the urea. So in decrease in appetite and things like that. Um, if we get above 100, we start to see more late stage kidney problems mm -hmm. and, and getting closer to kidney failure. So it really depends on the number. But first of all, Azadil, bind the urea, get it to go through the GI tract instead of through the kidneys. Number two is control the intake of protein so we're decreasing the amount of urea that's being processed. And then number three is enalapril to help manage the high blood pressure that can occur, mm. but also keep those kidneys uh, getting proper blood flow uh, so we can get what function they have left, helping to get urea out. The beauty of kidneys is that even though you can have only 20% of the kidney being active and the other 80% inactive, it can still work. So that's um, okay. a lot of times we can manage them pretty well. Dogs, it's a little harder, but cats seem to manage their kidneys a lot better. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, I hope that helps you with your question. And um, again, the group is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. And um, you can ask any question you want to, and we'll see what we can do to help you. Sometimes we um, may not have encountered, like um, one of the questions today is about a probiotic that we haven't really encountered before. Um, and, uh, but we'll do our best to try to give you some advice and see, you know, where you're at and try to, you know, point you in the right direction. Okay. So, um, we have more questions to come in just a little bit. Actually, one of them, um, relates to pet dental health month. So pet dental health month is a pretty big deal in the veterinary industry because 70 or 80% of pets have dental disease by the age of three. That's for sure. They, um, they can get it very, very early. And uh, managing it early is the importance to reduce pain, reduce infection, um, especially the the disease called periodontal disease. Uh, Periodontal disease is a disease just as bad as kidney disease, liver disease, uh, diabetes, etc. And uh, in it, once it's established, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to totally get rid of gum disease. So prevention is definitely the cure in this case. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So a lot of people will give these, well, we actually sell them here and we have them custom branded uh, for our clinic and they're chews with chlorhexidine. In it. Now there's some scrubbing action that's going on with the chlorhexidine mm-hmm. and uh, the chew part itself, which is rawhide. Um so the jury is a little bit out on the uh, chlorhexidine and the safety or the actual effectiveness of it. Mm-hmm. And Monica's question for us today is chlorhexidine safe? So there are a lot of different uses in the animal hospital for chlorhexidine. Um, one of them is using it as a surgery scrub. Mm-hmm. So all the animals who come in here have their, you know, surgical site prepared, scrubbed down with chlorhexidine. Um, so that's a pretty common. Um, chlorhexidine is used in disinfecting and cleaning in the animal hospital, which is a completely different ratio than what the surgical scrub is. Chlorhexidine is also suggested as what you do before um, a dental procedure because, you know, you don't think of it, but the dental procedure starts, you know, you have your animal on the table, you've intubated, you know, to prevent anything going down the esophagus, you know, you've got that all taken care of, the pet's ready, However, um, when you think about it, you're going to be aerosolizing thousands, millions of oral bacteria all over the building. So you have to have a really um, place that's all closed off to do dental procedures, or you you could make everybody in the building sick. Yeah, because you get it in the air, and just like any other bacteria, uh, can obviously get in our airway and and contaminate our skin and things like that, which can, can make you feel off for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing they want you to do, um, and it's part of the American Animal Hospital Association guidelines, I'm pretty sure, is take some of that and chlorhexidine rinse. It's a very mild rinse. So I think it's like 0.1 or 0.05% um, chlorhexidine. And I want you to go through the mouth and squirt it all down and just kind of like do your best to disinfect the mouth before you start. But this works only in dogs. From what I understand, cats do not handle chlorhexidine very well. No, it can be uh, somewhat irritating, especially to the gums themselves. Um, sometimes if they, uh, you know, with residual chlorhexidine, it can irritate the throat uh, and cause uh, mild tracheitis and things like that as well. So it's not typically used in cats. Um, there are other 
uh, nat- more natural disinfectants that can help. Mm-hmm. Apple cider vinegar for one of those can be used mm-hmm. to rinse the mouth ahead of time. Um, it's interesting that we don't see as much periodontal disease or severe gum disease in cats as we do in dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, they get more what they call feline oral resorptive lesions, which are more uh, autoimmune disease to the teeth. Okay. Um, and the diet that they are eating as well provides more scrubbing action. Um, mm-hmm. But not always. They, if they have really good saliva, there are some cats that are eating just strictly wet food. They have perfect teeth as well. Okay. So it's really immune-mediated for cats. Dogs, it seems to be more how much are they chewing, how much massage to the gum line. Unfortunately, we see gum disease more common in the little dogs because they just have, they have as many teeth as a big dog. Mm-hmm. But everything is crowded together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one yeah. of the biggest things is that the teeth are just too crowded. Oh. You know, and when they're crowded together, they're they're pressing against each other, yeah. weakening the periodontal ligament. But also, uh, normally dogs have a little gap between their teeth so the food particles can move through. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of little dogs that, that have material stuck between the teeth, especially the front teeth, like hair or string or... Uh, oh, they I have, have a, noticed that before. Yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it can pack, push right up against that gum and obviously it's have a lot really of bacterial weird. contaminants. Yeah, that's gross. Chorky's yeah. uh, mouth. Chorky is our <laughs> little Yorkie. Currently smells like a sewer system. It's yeah, horrible. We have to do her again because and she uh, she's so frequent on the dental list. And the yeah. other dogs, the bigger dogs, who are I mean, they do go out and they run around. They chew all the time and play with their toys and everything. And she is, you know, not going to do <laughs> right much and, chewing. And she's a <laughs> rescue. Not food. So, you know, she has other lymphatic yeah. issues. She has a bad leg. She and, came with horrible teeth, actually. Right. So, so she hard, she doesn't have that many teeth left. She has her canines left in some of her molars, but not all of them. Yeah. And it looks like you're probably going to be taking out more next time you do a dental on her. Yeah, Yorkies yeah. are one of those breeds that it it's very surprising uh, to see them keep their teeth their whole life. Because they yeah. they have probably some of the worst gum disease of, of the patients I've seen in my career. Yeah. So um, there is a study out, uh, and it does show that chlorhexidine might not be the solution that everybody really thought it was, and that chlorhexidine really doesn't necessarily do for the oral cavity, like when you're sending home these treats and everything. It just may not be like the best thing in the world. You could find some more natural solutions if you're a natural mama. <laughs> yeah, the study that, that I read was um, they had used diet alone, so dry dog food versus dry dog food plus a chlorhexidine type chew, and then one that didn't contain it. Okay. So what they discovered is that actually chewing and dry dog food is better than dry dog food alone. Okay. Okay. And then the study between using chlorhexidine or not showed no real significant difference in the fact that chlorhexidine made a difference in reducing uh, gum disease or reducing plaque and tartar. Uh, What they did show, however, is that the actually chewing action, maybe the abrasiveness of the teeth Mm -hmm. or of the chew, I should say, against the teeth was actually the factor and not the chlorhexidine. But there'll be more studies, you know, obviously that have come out with it. But uh, but that was a particular one that I read. Now, uh, would I still use it? You know, it it it's one of those things. If it can hurt, leave it in there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, this probably providing some benefit, especially 
against plaque. Now, plaque is a slimy stuff that forms on the teeth. Uh, so it turns it like yellow or brown or something in a dog's mouth? Well, it, initially it's clear, but then over time as that bacteria in the slime layer die off, that's where you get the yellowing. And yeah. then pretty soon you get these little islands of plaque <clears> and then all. And then you can get mild, moderate, or severe buildup. Um, the more severe the tartars built up, the more likelihood that they also have secondary periodontal disease. Because tartar itself is really merely a cosmetic thing. Okay. A lot of dental specialists have said, well, the tartar doesn't actually hurt the teeth. You get it off of there and you repolish it. But oftentimes, if they have that much tartar, they probably have secondary gum disease in their mouth as well, which a lot of times they do. Okay, gotcha. So um, other ways, like are you impressed with any of the dental diets? You know, it. they came out years ago. Um, probably the one that, thing that I found with it was the kibble size. A lot of, at least in my experience, the dogs uh, and the owners were telling me that the dogs won't eat it because the kibble's so big. Mm-hmm. But the idea is there was a particular type of fibrous product in there when they bit down mm-hmm. that was actually, you know, the tooth was going into the kibble and actually brushing the teeth. Yeah. So it was a great concept. It's just that the, the kibble size was often maybe a distracting factor for some of those dogs. So oh, okay. uh, I, I didn't personally see a lot of success with it, but there are a lot of, of, of veterinarians that, that have. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's still out there. You can still get it. Yeah. Um, so apple cider vinegar rinse is still good? Still good. I is think, it a 50-50 apple cider vinegar? I like to use 50-50. There's, there's other um, dilutions that you can use as well, but 50-50 seems to work for me. Do you have to get in there and really manually brush those teeth? Well, if they've already established tartar, it's best to have a professional cleaning because um, there are some enzymatic uh, gels and sprays that you can use that may help to break that down. There's been some studies show that it does do that. But it starts with professional cleaning and then getting in there using an apple cider rinse or an oral rinse, brushing the teeth to remove any buildup of plaque because immediately after, and professionals, uh, the, uh, the dental specialist will say this as well, is immediately after a de- professional cleaning, you're going to get plaque the next day. It's going um, yeah. to form <laughs> right on there. And yeah. that's where you have to get in there and reduce reduce that so it doesn't build so you have up. To go after it right away. Go after it right away. Start young, you know, start start practicing when they're babies and Oh, I have a question. How many people do you think you have in your practice that actually brush their dog's teeth every day? It's it's increasing. <laughs> I'd have to say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say twenty percent. Oh <laughs> so pretty high. You'd be surprised anymore. It, it you're not to be that you're not one of them though. Um, you know, <laughs> I have to admit, you know, as a veterinarian that we often take better care of our patients or clients' <laughs> pets than our own. Right. So we're, we say as veterinarians. That we could all right be better. I think we'd better. have to start the toothpaste line at like six o'clock and we'd probably be done by seven. Yeah. <laughs> Corralling all of our animals. We have yeah. a lot of animals. So yeah, probably the only one that really has the, the teeth issues right now would be Turkey because the rest of them yeah. are bigger dogs and they, they seem to do just fine on their own. Yeah. Well, little dogs and their little teeth right. happens all the time. Um, so when we come back, we have a lot of different things to talk about. So we have a new 
potent alternative to catnip and they're finding that it's actually working to get rid of mosquitoes. So excited about that. So we'll tell you about that. And there's actually a dog food ingredient that it's coming in a a new dog food that we're going to be carrying here in our own pet store. And this dog food ingredient can actually make your pet's waste smell a lot better. So actually 23% better (laughs) than other dog foods on the market. So uh, we'll talk about that ingredient and um, might actually be something you've heard of before. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a horse that we just rescued uh, from an auction. He's in pretty tough shape. And, um, you know, it's just one of the things you do as a veterinary family is take on a few more animals, right? That's right. <laughs> and anyway, we're going to um, go uh, speak to Proud Ponies Equine Rescue in Harvard, Illinois, about uh, this particular rescue case and how um, alternative medicine is actually the best bet for this horse to become better. So uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes here on Voice America. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you ready for a shakeup in your online entertainment? Then listen for the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. It's time to take a fresh look at the politics of our economy and its impact on you. Darren and his guests will explain these rights, legislation, and observations in sectors that affect people around the world every day. Imagine a podcast that makes you stop and think. That's the Information Edge. Tune in every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center, now at the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus. And we're uh, located in McHenry, Illinois, which is northwest of Chicago. So if you're ever in Chicagoland, do drop by and say hi. We'd love to meet you. Um, So today we've talked a little bit about some of our listener questions. Uh, We've had quite a few really good ones in our Facebook group. So our group is um, Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. And um, the group is super fun. A lot of people helping each other out, which I think is pretty cool. So um, we've all, you know, kind of liked getting involved in this group. So you got a question? We'll help you out. Just let us know. We at least point you in the right direction. So not everything can be done, you know, without seeing your pet or something like that. Um, But we can kind of see what we can do. And our listeners also, a lot of them are in our holistic program and they can also help you out as well. So uh, lots of stuff going down there. So uh, one of our local stores here has gone out of business. It's going out of business anyway. It's called Stock and Field. It was a big uh, 25, 30 store chain, Um, but they're going out of business now. So we decided to make it easier for, you know, like people around town, um, even though this is a suburban area, people around town to come in and um, get horse feed, um, chicken feed, stuff that they were getting at Stock and Field that we can carry ourselves here. So we're expanding our product lines. So I love expanding product lines because you always learn so many different things. So we have a couple of new products to talk about. And one is Total Feeds. So we've been using the Total Equine. Um, it is a, a feed company that makes equine feeds and then they also make some dog food. Um, we're going to be carrying their dog food. Um, actually, the equine feed is um, like a steam extruded alfalfa and dogs love it. Mm-hmm. So they said <laughs> that they were at horse shows and the grooms were like, hey, I thought you filled up all of those horse buckets with the total equine. And it turns out that <laughs> the dogs had gone along and, and eaten it all. They absolutely love this food. So the dog food, I think, is going to be a really big hit with the dogs. And I noticed an ingredient on it that I was kind of like, hmm, what is that? And it turns out uh, this, it's called yucca, an herbaceous plant of the lily family that's native to the Mojave Desert. So down in those big desert areas. So yucca um, is actually good for your pet. And there are a lot of different like herbs and, and um, additives in this dog food that are all beneficial to your dog, the one that's coming in the total. And um, yucca was reportedly used by Native American herbal medicine as a cure for dandruff, headaches, arthritis. It's also been used for centuries as a deodorizer and to make soap. Now, key, deodorizer. (laughs) There's a reason for this, right? There is. Um, It actually, 20% of the dog foods on the market uh, have the the particular product yucca in it. And what it does is it shows that it reduces the waste odor by 20%. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good. Anybody will take that. But it's not just primarily used for that. They shred it, grind it. They use yucca juice, um, anything like that. It has high numbers of saponins and polyphenolics, which might help reduce joint inflammation. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the main ingredients in in Totally Kind, one of the additives that they put in there to um, help prevent uh, a joint issue. And it has antiarthritic antiarthritic and anti-inflammatory properties mm-hmm. both. It also so. has a very good benefit for that as well, for sure. Yeah. How does, um, how, how can you know, I mean, you see all these additives and stuff in food and you think, is that really, 
is this one of those, you know, like face creams that claims to have some, you know, wonderful benefit, but then you realize it's all face cream and then one dot of whatever this alleged beneficial item is. How do you know you've got an effective dog food? Well, it really, the proof is in the pudding. If you see how your pet does on it, you know, first of all, they have to like the food. You have to eat it uh, regularly every day. Um, the second thing is really what's coming out. How are they digesting it? You know, if they have a good digestion, um, just a small amount of waste, you know that you're getting a really efficient dog food and that they're utilizing most of the food energy. Um, also, uh, we take a look at the patient themselves. How does their nails look? How does their coat look? Is it nice and soft? We don't have dandruff, uh, no odor to the coat. Um, and also the eyes, uh, teeth, and ears are another big factor. How long um, would you give it like a new dog food to see if it made a difference? Well, some dog foods, it, less than 30 days, but it can take up to a year for the skin to fully turn over oh. and adjust to a, a particular type of dog food if you're using uh, that as food therapy just mm -hmm. alone. Okay. It can take up to a year. A lot yeah. of dogs who have issues with their skin uh, unfortunately need more help than that. So we're combining yeah. nutrition with anti-inflammatories, with huh. natural therapy. Uh, but I've seen, I've had dogs that, you know, get better within a couple weeks. Really? You just know, by changing the food? Just by changing the food. The ears uh, can clear up very quickly if they have an ear infection. Oh, Odor goes down, you know, so it can ma have an immediate effect. But So really, the core, and a core component is always seems to just go back to inflammation. It does, you know. Leaky gut is probably the most common reason for skin issues because 80% of the immune system is in the gut. You know, the, the skin is reacting to something there. The other 20% is through the respiratory tract or contact, but far and away, the largest percentage is through the GI tract. How they digest that food, we think about the least amount of processing and the least amount of preservative possible because if we want food to go through quickly and efficiently and low absorption, then raw food is probably, it's, it's the most effective one. Hmm. Then you get freeze drying and then you get cold pressed. You know, those, all three of those are probably pretty close in the same category. But the more grains that are added to the diet, unfortunately, the more preservatives. And those preservatives slow down, you know, they, they, they slow down the decay of the mm -hmm. food in the bag. So they're going to slow down the breakdown in the gut too. Yuck. And, all, so, and some of those products can irritate the lining of the GI tract and okay. allow for the, what oh. they call the classic leaky gut. So now they're absorbing macromolecules that they mm -hmm. probably wouldn't. They're absorbing uh, synthetic material along oh. with that sometimes that creates inflammation. And then that comes out on the skin. And then it gets in the body and then... If we're lucky enough, you know, the liver can go, okay, I can handle this. I can get it out and the kidney excretes it. Um, but a lot of times it has to go to the skin. It's going to go through the fat first and then to the skin. Uh, lymphatics, you know, is going to handle that if the liver and kidney can't do it. And that's where we get the inflammatory process because the body says, well, if I can't store this, I'm either going to have to get it excreted out or burn it off. And mm -hmm. a lot of times it's burned off with inflammation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, one of the questions actually we had today from Kathleen on our holistic vet advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen <coughs> Carlson, 
um, Facebook group is she just bought a jar of Benibac Plus. The directions say provide one feeding from table below on days one, three, five, and seven, then one feeding per week until weaned. So what do you recommend for dosing for a dog and cat in terms of a maintenance plan? This is not a product I've, I've actually heard of. Mm-hmm. So can't always, you know, help you with something like that. So I think maybe, you know, she says it's different than any probiotic she's used before. Um, and she's been switching her cats to Farmina. So Farmina was our recommendation, obviously, because it's been beneficial for our cats, the preservatives. Yeah. I, I really think it's a preservatives um, for them yeah. because they were getting these gross eyes and they were, you know, running their Persians and they get those icky Persian eyes. Mm-hmm. But that stopped as soon as they started eating Farmina. Yeah. It's just there again, that's that low preservative. To, they really don't have it any preservatives. It does expire more quickly. Yeah. So just, you know, if you're not going to use a huge bag, then don't buy it but or store it in a way that, you know, if you had room in your freezer or something, maybe? Well, yeah, you can you can keep it in the freezer or they say that, you know, keep it in the bag. Don't pour it out into mm-hmm. a container. The bag's no. meant to hold that food. It is. And then use a, a chip clip or something like mm-hmm. that to keep it sealed up. Okay. All right. So, so she wants to onboard this new probiotic. Is there any danger in that? Like, do you just go for a probiotic or should you kind of work into it a little bit? Well, w- with holistic remedies because they're not they're tested for safety but they're they're not researched to know what's the exact dose that's going to work um for probiotics i don't really think you can overdose a probiotic because it's oh, really okay. going to use body's going to so use you're not going to have a big um diarrhea episode no okay but follow label recommendations if it and then follow the maintenance plan some of these okay. don't have a maintenance plan some of them don't but for me, it's it's always lowest effective amount. And they've done the research at these companies. So Kathleen, I would just stick with what was on the bottle. Yeah. And go from there. So always a good idea to read read the instructions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, we have this really cool new catnip product. They're called Meowie Janes Catnip Keef uh, Catnip Buds, <laughs> which is really <laughs> cute. And then also this Meowie Janes All Natural Catnip, and it's like in a shaker thing, and then we got something else that I had never heard of before from Meowie Janes, and it's Silver Vine, and it's a catnip alternative. So it's called Matatabi Chew Sticks. They're they're just it looks like a stick, but I think you have to peel it, and then your kitty can play with it. So maybe you can just give it this way. But um, these sticks are kind of cool. This line is obviously named really funny. I love the name Meowie Janes. <laughs> it's super yeah. cute. Um, I've never heard of Silver Vine. Um, and according to an article in Meow Box by Olivia Canius, um, she says uh, it's a plant native to the mountainous regions of Eastern Asia. Silver Vine has been used in Asia for centuries as a preventative health aid. It's also widely used in Japan and China as a cat stimulant. So when exposed to powdered silver vine, cats enter a euphoric state that involves behaviors like rolling, chin and cheek rubbing, meowing, drooling, licking, and variations from cat to cat. So that's what you can expect with this new stick that they can go, uh, I don't know, play with. Um, They've got some pretty cute uh, other items where they've taken the stick and made like hockey sticks and stuff like that out of them. So silver vine uh, for your cat. It's not toxic and it's not addictive. And it can benefit your cat's overall health. Just spending a few minutes in the euphoric state 
reduced by silvervine can positively impact a kitty's emotional and physical well-being, relieve stress and anxiety, sharpen natural hunting skills, and may even provide medicinal benefits. Well, I have to say that um, we have to try the Miaui, uh, the Matavi sticks on uh, on Gumball, but he absolutely loves these other ones. He goes the wild. James. Of, yeah, he <laughs> just goes completely wild. One of the technicians had a, just a little bit of the residue of the powder on her fingers, uh-huh. and she reached down to pet him, and he just went crazy. Oh, he did? He just reached for her yeah. hand and started sniffing and licking uh, because he really likes it. The keef, it, it comes in a little tin, and it's um, it's like really powdered, so not so leafy like the other ones, and yeah. certainly not as leafy as the catnip buds, but those are kind of cool to put inside. They have to make some like toys that you can restuff with catnip. You know, mm. like you take the old ones out and the new one. So the buds, I think, would be actually pretty good for something like that. Um, the Meowie Jane uh, has um, actually got, not Meowie Jane, but I'm sorry, but uh, catnip. Actually, they think it is going to be the next best thing when it comes to warding off mosquitoes. And they've done some studies on that. And uh, so that's all going pretty well, too. So um, studies for, for all of that. We've taken in a feral cat um, that was living in a neighborhood. <laughs> he's very strange looking. Uh, he's got a really big, long lion, broad face. And um, he's super cute. What did we name him? Thor? Boris. Boris. <laughs> okay. So Boris, um, we'll try the Meowie Janes on Boris next. He's not quite so used to being in in. Um, so we have um, our daughter Avery Carlson on the phone. She's been on our show before. Avery um, is a college student uh, in psychology and she wants to be a veterinarian someday. And uh, for now, she has also been involved in rescuing horses for quite a long time. Avery, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Avery uh, and I went to an auction. This is an auction in Iowa very kind of reputed auction uh, called Kelowna. Um, It's uh, very well attended by the local Amish community. Um, Horse trading, horse, they use their horses in farming, do all sorts of stuff. So Avery uh, and I um, in the past have, we'll go into places. She did it on her own this time and I waited in the car, (laughs) but um, through the auction, look at all the horses, um, see if there's anybody who's really, I'm neglected who would be going like to a kill buyer. So um, the kill buyers then take the horses to their facilities, usually in the South that are maybe closer to the border. Some of the horses they might try to rehome or offer as rehoming. And then the rest of the horses would be shipping to slaughter in Mexico. So it's really kind of a sad story. And Avery, tell us what you picked up this time at the auction. So I came home with Bugsy. Um, we called him, named him Bugsy the Buggy Horse, and he's an 18-year-old Amish bred standard bred, which he would be would have been used for a cart, um, like pulling a little buggy down the road. Mm-hmm. So he's in pretty terrible condition. We had a vet come out to assess him, an equine vet, and she found, um, you know, he's got this big injury to his right hip. He's blind in his right eye, and his ear on his right side is actually split. So it looks like he was involved in a pretty nasty buggy accident at one point or another. Uh, We're not sure how recent that is or it could be chronic, um, but he's in a lot of chronic pain. So that's our top priority right now is pain management. Uh, My dad's been great with the cold laser and acupuncture. Um, He's going to be on about three different supplements, um, a pain medicine. So it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. He's also very thin and that was what, when he came running through the ring, you know, we'd seen horses 
in uh, kind of a desperate situation all day long. Some far worse than others, but it really was um, a it was really a tough auction. It took a couple of days to kind of like come down from that. I know what you mean. I, I know that you know exactly what I mean, Avery. And I think the other people who were there that we knew. Yeah. 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 A Instantly. lot of just crying. And I'll just sit out there with him and just pat him and just cry. Cause I'm like, I don't know how anyone could have done this, but yeah. the other the, thing they found um, when we took a look at that horse is he actually has um nail holes in a seat so fresh nail holes where they would have put shoes on and the only time they really put shoes on is when they're um pulling a buggy so um he's in chronic pain and you know three or four hundred pounds underweight and they were still using him which is absolutely heartbreaking mm-hmm. yeah his poor little head too is down around his knees he's depressed he's yeah. painful it's just a very sad situation and um you know, I'm glad that you've done something so cool with your extra time <laughs> now that you're 20 yeah. years old. So um, Avery's going to be offering, you know, Avery has to pay for, for the vet bills and stuff, um, the rescue. Uh, so she is offering to do dog washing. Um, she is our groomer here at Riverside and she will groom your dog if you will donate to her rescue horse. So um, she, if you want to get in touch with Avery, you just call the clinic at uh, 815-344-7716 and uh, she'll put you on the books, get your dog bathed, and then all the proceeds will go to help her new rescue horse, poor little Bugsy. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you feel about all the horses that you've taken in. Like what happens in the very beginning, the emotional side of it? The beginning stages of all the horses that come in, you can really see they're very depressed. They don't really want to eat. They're exhausted. I mean, their head hangs. They're, you know, they just sleep. They, you know, are always thirsty and kind of hungry, but they're not that interested, not really interested in anything all that much. Um, But then you know, that was true for my last rescue, Kobe. He was just dejected when he came in. And, you know, and frantic. He had some frantic him, moments because the horse he came in with um, died of an aneurysm right in front of him, um, which was yeah. extremely sad right after they came in. And they, when they come in together, they're very bonded. Absolutely, they are. And so after dealing with a lot of these rescues that come in and they're seem like they don't even have any pride anymore. They just um, are just very, very sad and heartbroken, really. And they don't even, you know, they had a bond with somebody. And then that somebody, whether it was illness um, or just, you know, a poor heart, they went and somehow the horse ended up in an auction and then he ended up at a kill pen. And that's not what bugs me. We intercepted him before he could get to the kill pen. But, you know, after... And you had to bid against the kill buyer to get him? I did. It was uh, me and the kill buyer. But uh, after it. rescuing everybody and taking care of all of them, I really think that's our mission here at Proud Ponies Equine Rescue, which is what I call my rescue, is to take the horses that have no pride and give them pride again and give them life. You know, give them their dignity them back. Life into them. Right. Yeah. You've used a lot of the Clinton Anderson training, which I think helps a lot, you know, in getting their confidence back and getting them, uh, you know, back in training. Would you say that's uh, worked out well for you? I think it has. I think it's a big part of building a bond with them, just spending a lot of time with them. And then when I do start training them, I always start with the groundwork because groundwork, you know, it teaches them to trust you and respect you. 
mm-hmm. realize you're not going to hurt them before you even get on their back. And it always is a lot more positive experience after I've done mm-hmm. a lot of the Clinton Anderson groundwork. Actually, Avery, I, I forgot. I wanted to mention you were featured in the No Worries Journal for Clinton Anderson. And one of the stories you told was about <laughs> a horse that you had four days to train. And um, just tell us a little quickly about that. Yep. So the horse, I mean, I worked in Florida for this um, big, like, FEI-level trainer, so, like, top-level hunter-jumper trainer. And this horse came in, and um, he actually came in with the name Lucifer. And the lady, she, like, literally grabbed me by the shoulders and said, don't get on that horse without someone there. Be so careful. It was this, like, terrifying, bone-chilling warning. And, you know, he said, well, you got four days to get this thing turned around. Um, I said, okay. And I just did, you know, what I've always done with the Clinton Anderson and done their horsemanship groundwork and just going for it. And that horse went from, you had to lunge him for an hour just to have a gamble at being safe to ride him and stay on him to going around on a loopy rein and jumping a nice course of jumps. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, you yeah. learned a lot from the, from the Down Under Horsemanship program. Yeah. You never Very got program. to go, but yeah. uh, you've, you've certainly learned a lot, and it's really given you a lot in your horse career. Yeah, I'm very thankful to be able to um, have that experience. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so as far as Bugsy goes, he's going to need to, you know, going to have to come up with some money for his care. And you're going to be able to utilize your dad, which is great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah. it looks like the natural, <laughs> yeah, the natural methods from starting with nutrition and then going into the things that your dad does. He's learning the um, medical manipulation now uh, through the Chi Institute in Florida. But the acupuncture, the cold laser, all the things he's using on dogs and cats so successfully is actually what's going to pull this horse through, according to the equine vet. Absolutely. I'm very thankful to have her, um, Dr. Catherine Golden from Northern Lakes Equine Practice. Um, She's very great. She also believes in a more holistic mindset, just like my dad. So um, it's nice to have those two and they agree on a lot of stuff. And it's absolutely great to have two people that really believe in the holistic. And she she believes, you know, she knows my dad works wonders. (laughs) (laughs) good all right thanks so much avery and uh good luck i guess we have kind of a guard prognosis on this particular animal and we won't really know what we're going to do with him yeah we don't know what what the future holds for little bugsy but anyway um thanks for joining us today everyone and thanks avery and um, we'll see you next time here on voice america thank you for listening this week to awesome woo woo holistic vet advice Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.